Good to see each one this morning. I hope you've had a great week. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're on a series. This is actually our sixth lesson on a series that we've entitled Seven Enemies of the Cross. Today we want to look at one that, you know, I, I can thank God that we don't have this problem in this church, okay, what we're going to talk about today. So don't say he's only doing that because there must be a problem. Let me tell you, you know, it's been a long time since we've had the problem that we're going to look at today that's an enemy of the cross in this church. And I thank God, you know, for you, you know, Fairview Baptist Church, because, you know, this is not something that we've experienced in a long, long time. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 is our uh, text this morning. I want to talk to you about another enemy of the cross. That is divisive followers of Jesus Christ. Now you say, what in the world is a, a divisive follower of Jesus Christ? You'll know when we get through here this morning. As the church of Jesus Christ, we're in a spiritual battle, and we have an enemy that's going to do everything he can to silence the message of the cross and defeat the message of the cross. Now, I've told you throughout this study that Satan knows he cannot defeat Christ himself. Satan knows there's no way he can defeat Christ, but he knows if he can defeat or silence the message of Christ, then he can defeat the cause of Christ. Now, thus far, we've looked at five things of the world that Satan is using to, to silence the message of the cross or to, you know, to, to hinder the message of the cross, if you please. You know, now, let, let me just say this, what an enemy is. First of all, an enemy of the cross, an enemy is defined as something or someone that seeks to harm or oppose something else. John, catch up with me, son. You're way behind. Uh, that's what a, the, uh, the, the definition of the cross, I mean, an enemy is. It's something or someone that seeks to oppose uh, or harm someone or something. And that's what the enemy is doing. That's what Satan is out to do. And this is just what, you know, he is doing within our churches today. Now, the things that we've mentioned thus far, you know, all these things in and of themselves aren't bad, but Satan uses them in order to, to uh, affect the message of Jesus Christ. Some of the things we've looked at or the things we've looked at thus far is religion. How Satan has uh, distorted religion to make people think if they're a religious person that's enough to get them to heaven the misunderstanding of repentance we talked about that how that's an enemy of the cross we talked about the misconception of corporate worship can be an enemy of the cross the idea of a universal church is an enemy of the cross that we looked at last week and, and last week we looked at the idea of lifestyle evangelism and how it is an enemy of the cross and notice again in and of themselves all of these things aren't necessarily bad things but what Satan does is he uses those things to make people think they're enough to get them into heaven. And not only that, he uses them to distort the true word of God. Now today we look at that sixth uh, ad uh, adversary or enemy of the cross. The truth that within every church there are divisive followers of Jesus Christ. And they're being used of Satan to hinder the message of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. If there's fighting and bickering and arguing within the church, you take a community church and there's all type of divisiveness within that church, you know, people within the community are talking more about how that church can't get along with one another than they are understanding and hearing the message of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. 
Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk uh, uh, so as you have uh, us as an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping. In other words, this was breaking the heart of Paul. To know that, now he's writing the church at Philippi, and they was having, and let me tell you, the church at Philippi was a great church. And Paul says, you know, as I'm writing this, I'm weeping, okay? Because it broke the heart of Peter to see what was going on within the church at Philippi. He says, and now tell you, even weeping, that, there are, that they are the enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose uh, glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. You know, many times we look at the church today and we say to ourselves, you know, wow, I wish things were the way they used to be in church, okay? I wish things were the way it was in the olden days in the church. You know, but the fact is, ever since the beginning of the church, in other words, when God first established a church, when Jesus Christ first established the church, there's always been those who thought their spiritual gift was to stir up strife and disharmony within the church. They thought, this is my spiritual gift. This caused divisiveness within the church. And you know what? There's some churches that there's some people, as long as they're members of the church, there'll never be 100% you know, agreement on anything within the church. And how sad that is. And that's what Paul was saying to the church at Philippi. He was weeping as he wrote these things. Look, those who thought their spiritual gift was to divide rather than unify, even when Jesus was on the earth leading a group of people. Now think about this. The greatest pastor to ever live was Jesus Christ himself. I believe we would all agree to that. Jesus had a group. And this group, you know, you know, uh, you know in his congregation, they loved to murmur too. So, you know, Jesus, you know, you'd think he'd put together the perfect church, but there was those in his, uh, in his uh, 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 congregation who loved to murmur and start up strife. In fact, one day, Jesus was preaching. You may remember this in the Gospels. Jesus was preaching, and his t- uh, text was on commitment and how we had to be committed to him. We had to be committed to him. And he got to talking about how you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's just the way he was uh, explaining the commitment that we ought to have to him. And when he began to talk like that, when he began to, you know, get serious about their commitment with him, we're told there that the people began to murmur among themselves. And as a result, we're told, a great multitude walked out on Jesus that day. Now, you say, well, what about the 12? They was real faithful to him. You know what? The 12 began to murmur a little bit too. You know, what is going on here? What's he talking about here, eating his flesh and drinking his blood? And Jesus perceived their murmuring, and he turned to the 12, and he said, guys, you want to go too. You want to go too. Look, Jesus did not tolerate murmuring within the church. Paul did not tolerate murmuring within the church. And and that was the exact words of Paul in verse 18. You know, that they were enemies of the cross, those who, you know, uh, bring confusion and, and dissension within the church. And though they seemed to be a part of the church, they were actually enemies of the message of Christ. And Paul even encourages the church to mark them. Mark them. That simply means to to keep an eye on them. (laughs) Be aware of them. 
If there are those within the church who think that's their spiritual gift is to cause division, he says, mark them, be aware of them, keep your eye on them, observe them. And the reason we are to watch out for them, folks, is because their only goal is to destroy the message of the cross. Now, they may not realize that. They may not realize they're being used of Satan to destroy the message of the cross, but that's what they're doing. Because again, all the community sees is the chaos going on within the church. Therefore, the message of the cross means absolutely nothing to them. Look, they are there for what they can receive from the church rather than what they can give to the church. They are enemies of the cross of Christ who try to belittle this great message of the cross, Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen again. But let's get started this morning by looking at a portrait of a friend of the cross. Let's see what a friend of the cross looks like, okay? You know, if we're going to be a friend of the cross, we must know what that must look like. You know, we're either a friend or we're a foe. We're either an ally or we're an enemy. We're either a part of the problem or we're a part of the solution. So what does an ally of the cross look like? First of all, an ally of the cross will live a life uh, of self-denial, of self-denial. Look, when you look at the cross of Christ, you see that's what it was all about on the part of Christ, self-denial. You know, Jesus gave up all his rights for for all the world. And the term Christian alone simply means to be Christ-like. The second thing is no person who is a friend of the cross will give way to his or her passions or indulgence uh, to his or her appetites. Verse 19, you know, said, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who's, who mind earthly things. You see, an enemy of the cross, you know, they're after what they can get. But a person who is an ally of the cross, a person who is a friend of the cross, you know, they're, they're in it to what they can do for the church. They're in it for what they can do for the cause of Christ. They're in it for what they can do for others. Now, what I mean by uh, that, that, that is a friend of the cross, they're going to seek what's best for the church as a whole rather than his or her self uh, desires. And that's what Paul was talking about in verse 19 when he said, whose God is their belly. If they're constantly seeking their own desires, they are proving at that point they are an enemy of the cross. The second thing, or the third thing, should we say, no person who is a friend of the cross, will seek honor for himself who has truly known Christ and who knows that Christ has brought him, about him with his blood. You see, he will not and cannot, uh, uh, dare not, live for himself. Rather, he will live for the cause of Christ. And if he does live for himself, Paul says his end is destruction. His end is destruction. How sad that is. Now let's look at a portrait of an adversary of the cross. One who is what Paul was talking about here, who's caused division, who causes chaos rather than unity. First of all, he will not, he cannot, he dare not live for himself. Rather, he will, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, since, since we have looked at what a friend is, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. 
Now let's see what this adversary of the cross looks like. Paul says for us to mark them, watch them, be aware of them. So if we're to do that, we must know just what it means. We, are, we need to know just who it is, those that we are to mark who are an enemy of the cross. First of all, those who their God is their belly, he says in verse 19b. Watch out for those whose God is their belly. Now, what's he mean by that? The term belly means your inward most. So what he's saying is watch out for those who are seeking their own selfish desires, their own selfish will. Paul is speaking here about self-indulgent people who, though professing to be Christians, they, they never restrain those selfish desires to work, you know, to better the church, to better the ministry, to better, you know, the community. You know, uh, in reality, they're sensual people. You know, wanting that which pleases them only, never concerned about the needs of others. You show me a person who is never concerned about the needs of others, rather always concerned about themselves, and I'll show you a person who is an enemy of the cross. The next thing we see here is those of whom uh, are subjects of shameful pride. Again, show me a prideful person, and I'll show you a person who's an enemy of the cross. Paul's words, uh, words it like this in verse 19, whose glory is their shame. And, and that is to say, they boast of things which they ought to be ashamed of. You show me a person that's always boasting of something that they should be ashamed of, and I'll show you an enemy of the cross. I've seen people who boast of all the other things that people have given them. Boy, so-and-so gave me this. So-and-so gave me this. You know, God has blessed me with this. But you know what? That same person is never willing to lift, lift a hand to help someone else in need. That is an enemy of the cross. The third thing we see here is those of whom mind earthly things. Now, let me say, there's nothing wrong with earthly things so long as those earthly things are not interfering with our walk with Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is speaking here of, of worldliness. Every church has people who will involve themselves in all kind of community actions, people who will involve themselves in all type of community sports, lodges, civic clubs, on and on we could go. But you ask them to commit to a ministry in the church, and it's like you've offended them. It's like you've offended them. Look, can, can you help in Sunday school? We really need some people to help in Sunday school, you know, especially with the children's ministry. You know, me help in Sunday school? No, 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 the, that Sunday school's not for me. I'm way too busy for that. Well, what about helping in outreach weekend? One Saturday a month, you know, for two hours on a Saturday. Why don't you help us in outreach weekend? No way. And especially if you want me to go to Houston with those homeless people, there's no way that would tie up a half of my day on one Saturday a month. Besides, spending money on those homeless people is just like throwing money away. Hmm. Uh, and well, wh what about on, on Outreach Sunday going door to door and just handing out flyers, inviting people to church? Oh, no, 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 no. People don't want you knocking on their door on a Saturday. Don't you understand that? Don't you understand that? Well, what about, what about making phone calls to our shut-ins on Outreach Weekend? Can you just at least pick up the phone, make a phone call to our shut-ins or first-time visitors or, or whatever? I, that's not for me either. That's not for me either. 
But you let the lodge call, you let the civic club call, you let the sports field call, and they drop what they're doing, and boom, they're right there. Now, there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. In other words, we're talking worldliness here. We're talking earthly things. Folks, when earthly things, when worldly things become more important to us than Jesus Christ and his church, then we've got a problem. We've got a problem. Paul takes it further in Romans 16, verse 17. Turn over to Romans 16, verse 17. Here's what we got to understand. All this worldliness is someday going to be burned up. Okay? It's going to be burned up. And you know what? We're going to be judged for not how we was committed to earthly things. Not how we was committed to a civic club or a sports um, event or you know, Little League or football or all that stuff. We're not, we're, what we're going to be judged for, folks, is how committed and how faithful we were to Jesus Christ in the ministry he called us. But Paul takes it a step further in Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Look at this. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, let's look at what Paul was talking about here. Such people, Paul says, are divisive and offensive. Mark them, which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the uh, doctrine that you have learned. That's what he says. Look, Paul uses two words here to describe these enemies of the cross within the house of God. The first one, he says, divisions. What does it mean to divide? It means to splinter or cause dissension. So you have those who are constantly splintering the fellowship. You have those who are constantly splintering and causing division within the church. Paul says, mark them and stay away from them. Then he says, offenses. They also cause an offenses. Now, offense is to lay a trap or a snare in the path of another, you know, to cause them to stumble. Look, they, they, they are only in the church, Paul is saying, for what they can get out of it rather than what they can put back into it. And because, of that, because they're miserable, because they deceive, because of their offenses, they want the entire environment to be that way. You know, here's the thing about miserable people. Miserable people want everyone around them to be miserable too because they don't like being miserable alone. Because, again, these people are living for themselves and for, uh, and for this world. And Paul says we're to avoid them. The next thing he says is they are deceptive. They are deceptive. Okay? He says in verse 18b, by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the people. They're dishonest. And most of them, you know what, they aren't even saved. You know, they, they don't even care about the church, only about themselves and their power and, and what they can gain. But they're deceptive, he says. These people have a way with words, and they use their ability to twist the truth. And he says to, defend, uh, to offend the simple, the simple. Now, let me say this. 
the word simple, when a person is referred to as a, a person uh, that is simple within the Bible, that's not degrading them. Okay, the word simple simply means it doesn't, it doesn't refer or infer that that person's stupid. Please understand that. The word means fearing no evil from others, distrusting no one. So a simple-minded person, okay, is a person who just trusts everybody. <laughs> you know, that person wouldn't lie to me. That person's a nice person. You know, they, 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 don't, they, they don't fear that someone is going to try to lead them astray. They, and, you know, again, being simple is not a put down. It just means that you trust people, and sometimes you trust them too much, and sometimes you trust people you shouldn't be trusting. And what they do is cause division within the church. You wind up following it and don't even realize it. Now, the third thing we see is the outcome of the adversaries of the cross. We see, you know, if back in verse 19, we're told that their end is destruction. Look, there will be destruction of all their hopes. There will be destruction of all their happiness. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you saying, you know, if they're saved, they're not going to heaven? If they're this type of a person, that they're not going to experience the hope and the happiness of heaven? You know, no, I'm not saying that. Here's the thing. If they're truly saved, they are going to heaven, but they're going to have to stand before the bema seat judgment of Christ and be judged for their works as a Christian, which we all will. You know, they're, they're going to have to answer to Christ for us to why when they was here on earth, they were an enemy of the cross rather than an ally of it. They're going to have to answer as to why they sought to divide the church rather than unify the church. They're going to have to answer to Jesus Christ as to why they were so committed to worldly things but neglected their responsibilities to the ministry that God had called them to and the opportunities you know, to share Jesus Christ with others. And fourthly, what should be done with divisive followers of Jesus Christ? Romans 6 and 16 and 17. You know, Paul says, we're to mark them. We're to mark them. He says, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Now, this word comes to mark, comes from the word, Greek word scopus, of which we get our word scope. Now, what's it mean to scope something? You deer hunters know what it means to scope that 12-point buck, don't you? You know. So what's that mean? It means to look at, to observe, to contemplate, to fix one's eye on and attention upon someone or something. That's what the word scope means. So what Paul is saying, if there is people or a person within the church that is always causing division, that is always, you know, causing, you know, confusion. He says, scope them. Scope them. Put that scope on them. Look at them. Observe them. You know, fix your eye upon them and just watch them. Now, he doesn't stop there. The idea here is to watch the enemy, least he slip in on us and cause problems within the church. But the second thing Paul says we're to do is avoid them. Now, this is something a lot of people don't like, okay? You know, he's telling us here that we're to have no fellowship with those who would cause division within the church. Now, again, I know that's difficult. That's difficult. A lot of things in the Scripture that is difficult. 
You know, but the word literally means to turn away. And the best course of action when dealing with those who would divide the church, Paul says, is just, just to avoid them. Stay away from them. Keep your eye on them. Scope them. Look out for them. Observe what they're doing, what they're saying. Okay? You know, I, I know some will say, well, aren't we supposed to be Christ-like? Well, I would respond with this. Didn't we just get this word from the Word of God? And would the Word of God lead us to be unchristlike? No. So the Word of God says, scope them and avoid them. Scope them and avoid them. Look, we must not allow anyone to sow seeds of discord, discord you know, in the house of the Lord. If you feel someone is spreading gossip, put a stop to it. You know, here's the thing, and I've told you this before. When someone calls you and they begin gossiping, Listen close. If you do not tell them, I don't want to hear that, if you listen to what it is they're saying, they're assuming that you're agreeing with everything they say. So the next person they call, they say, well, you know what? You know, oh, oh, oh Gerald over there, he agrees with me. Now, did Gerald agree with them? No. Gerald just didn't want to be rude and tell them, I don't want to hear what you're having to say. Therefore, they assume Gerald is agreeing with them. So we have to put a stop to it. We have to say, I don't want to hear that. And if, you're, if you feel someone is attempting to drive a wedge between you and the church, put a stop to it. You know, I know some may be thinking, well, I, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know, by telling them I don't want to hear what it is they're having to say and that I'm not interested. But listen, when a person gets to the point in their spiritual life where they're willing to destroy the church to get their own way, this is going to be tough, but the church is better without them. The church is better without them. Why? Because you, 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 all, you, all, you all have split firewood, okay? What you know about a wedge is when, when you start that wedge in a piece of wood, the further you drive that wedge down, what happens? The further the wood begins to split apart. Are you with me so far? The further the wood begins to split apart. And folks, it's the same way within the church. If when that wedge is first started, we don't put a stop to it, the split gets wider and wider and wider. And what happens when it gets as wide as it's going to get? You know, the pieces fall apart. Look. Paul told the church at Thessalonica this, if any man obey not our word of this epistle, note that man, again, that's the same word that we're talking about, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Now, that's the purpose, he's saying, of don't have anything to do with him, in hopes that it will shame him and cause him or her to see the wrong they're doing. And he goes on to say, yet count him not as an enemy. So we don't count them as an enemy. We avoid them. We, don't, we stay away from them. Okay? We've marked them. But he says, 
don't count them as an enemy. They're not an enemy. They're still a brother or sister in Christ. But admonish them as a brother. In other words, you know, admonish them because they are a brother in hopes of them seeing their wrong and coming back. You see, here's the thing. The goal here is to protect the church. That's the goal of what Paul is saying, to protect the church. Yet, allow this Holy Spirit room to open that brother or sister's eyes and let them see the damage they are doing to the fellowship within the church in hopes that the Holy Spirit can cause them to see the wrong they're doing. And the objective in what Paul has just told us to do, mark them and avoid them, the objective is his or her restoration to the fellowship of the church. You know, resuming fellowship, bringing them back in is always the objective when we have to get to this step. It's tough. It's hard. But folks, it's an enemy of the cross, one who caused division within the church. Because again, what's the community talking about? The word of God? No, the, in it, the, the community's talking about all the problems within that church. There's no need in going to that church. They can't even get along with uh, you know, one another, you know, much less you know, new people, okay? In fact, uh, the last church I pastored, you know, I, um, when I first got there, uh, you know, first six or eight months, you know, I went all throughout the community, all throughout the community. And the thing I heard more than anything else, oh, you pastor that church? Yeah. Well, they can't even get along with one another. And you want me to come? I'm not exaggerating. I heard that time and time and time again. I was there 12 and a half years. When I left the next pastor that come, he called me one day. He said, I got a question for you. I said, what's that? And he told me he'd been going around. And you know what people had been telling him? The same thing. Then people can't get along with one another. I said, Mark, they was telling me the same thing too. So once a community gets a mindset of the church in the community, folks, it is hard for the church to overcome that. So that's why Paul seems so dogmatic, I guess, about this. Because now it has become an enemy of the cross. It has become to the point that the community will not hear the word of God because they're so focused on the division within the church. May Fairview Baptist Church always, always have the unity that we have now. Always. But if an enemy does come in, may we always be willing to stand on God's word and do as the word of God has directed us. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you may not look at yourself as an enemy of the cross and you say, well, I'm not an enemy of God. Well, you know what? No, but you know what? You're not a child of his either. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you need to, you know, be a part of that family of God. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We want to give you an opportunity to do that here this morning. Child of God, maybe you are not involved in ministry. 
And uh, maybe this morning you realize, you know, I have been in making excuses why I can't be involved in ministry. Let me tell you, our outreach weekend, second Saturday of each month, we need a lot of ministers. We need a lot of ministers. You don't have to go to Houston with us. As I mentioned a while ago, we need people that just make phone calls. We need people that would go within the community handing out flyers. You know, we, we need people within the community to, to visit our shut-ins or just whatever. One Saturday a month for two hours. We give more time to other things in the community than we do that. Let's pray. Father God, we... Oh, yeah.